0: You're listening to the Whenever It Kicks podcast with me, Jessie Cave, and this is a very special question and answer session. I'm very blown away by the number of questions I got sent in, and I hope I can be informative and interesting in my responses. Thank you for listening. The first question is lovely. It's, I found it hard to breastfeed in public. Do you breastfeed in public? And what are your tips if so? Well, I don't breastfeed in public, um, which might surprise some people. I, I mean, I do breastfeed on the podcast, so I, I guess so that is quite public. But I find it really difficult to, and this might have something to do with my history of wearing sports bras and you know, relatively um, Amish-type clothing, um, covering up my my bosoms. Not that I have, you know, bosoms to that need cover. You know, do, do you know what I mean? I just I like covering up. I just I wear clothes that are you know flims uh what's the word frilly and I like big collars and I'm not somebody to go out in a um a strappy top I've never done that because of my insecurities from my teenage years where I felt just I couldn't be the type of girl to wear a strappy top and that's just carried over into my adulthood which is really sad but I do wear strappy tops at home so I am a liar but if I even if I wear a strappy top outside I feel like a fraud like you're not a strappy top girl put a t-shirt on, put a big t-shirt on, put your sports bra back on. So that kind of bleeds into breastfeeding. I find it really, um, I just felt very exposed and I, I just feel like everyone's just staring at my nipples or waiting to catch a little glimpse of a nipple because you do catch a glimpse of a nipple. Invariably that they, they pop out and the baby comes off the boob and then suddenly there's a nipple and everyone's looking at a nipple and and you got to put the nipple away and then you get embarrassed and then you have to switch oversize and then you show the other boob and show them that nipple. And I just find that really embarrassing. And I really wish I could be that bold mom who breastfeeds. And it's not even a bold thing. It's just such a normal thing. But you don't see, I don't see that m- m- much nipple out and about um, other than in the library. They, there's a lot of nipples in the library, the library I go to. But that's, I don't know, sorry, that made no sense. I just find it quite hard to, but that's my thing. And I really am jealous of the mums that can, especially mums of toddlers who get their boobs out and feed their like giant, I've just applaud them. Just think you're the kind of woman I want to be, but I will never be. Um, I don't know. It's really strange. Maybe I've got some kind of Freudian issues about, I don't know, because it's, I won't go into my Freudian issues, actually. I'm just gonna answer that there. So I don't have any tips for the rest of you in public, other than um, mm, I I so it's my days are quite frantic. I I I tend to have to go out and know when I'm gonna be coming back in to feed the baby. And if it gets to up to three hours where I've worn the baby in the baby carrier, I get very uptight and very high pitched and we have to go home now, we have to go home now. Because I just I just prefer sitting in my same place I sit in the, to feed the baby in. And that's my place to feed the baby. in. I just, I like that routine. And I think with each child, I've learned that routine for me is crucial. So no tips, sorry, but that was a lovely question. Next question. I can hear the baby crying downstairs already. Two minutes in. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> My question for you is, have you ever found it helpful slash necessary to have a group of mum friends or does it just create too much pressure, stress and kid comparison? What a brilliant question. Now, I might not give off this impression, which, but I, I don't have many mum friends. <laughs> I, I'm starting to gather a few people that I really like who happen to be mums in the same school as me and same living area. But no, I've never had mum friends. I've never been pregnant with a friend at the same time, apart from one recently, but I haven't even met her baby yet. Um, maybe this has got something to do with the pandemic and, you know, everything being locked down when ten I was pregnant with 10 and then Becca. But no, I saw a couple of friends in the parks the other day who were clearly long-time friends, the kind of friends that are just horrible to each other and on their phones the entire time and don't look at each other but obviously love each other and just want to do everything together. Um, and their two kids were the same age. And I just saw their interactions with the kids and they just left their kids to it really. And the kids obviously were like siblings because they spent so much time together. And I thought about what it must be like to have a friend who's got exactly the same age baby. So same development type uh, speed that they're, they're walking at the same time. They're crawling at the same time They're you know, because if, you, if you've got a friend who's got a baby who's even six months older than your baby, when it, before they're two, it's a big deal. So I've never really lucked out with a friend who's had the baby at the same time. And, and that's partly because I had babies a lot younger than my friends. So no, I've never had mum friends. I'm starting to get there. Like they went, we went to a party this morning of Margot's friends. And I spoke to a few people, I spoke to a dad. Maybe I'll have a dad friend. That'd be weird. I should make Alfie jealous. I have, I have a, My first parent friend who's a dad. Wow. Um, so yeah, I... I, I am very jealous again. I'm jealous of the breastfeeding mums. I'm jealous of the mum friends. But I kind of see people listening to this podcast as my mum friends, my virtual mum friends. And that's why Instagram has been so important to me because it has been like this mum's net community for me. And I don't go on mum's net. Right. Thank you for that question. Next question. I'm 25 and I, I'm starting to think about kids. I've been with my boyfriend for six years and we've lived together for five. Wow. You and Alfie have such great chemistry bantering together. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to think that I can banter. Sorry, I just kicked the table. It's obvious that you're both nuts about each other. Kind of. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend bicker a lot about nothing in particular, and I'm worried about doing this in front of kids. Have you had times when you want to scream at each other and can't because of little people? What a, what a, another great question. This is a really, this is a hot topic because there's so many different theories about whether you should show your real selves to your kids. Obviously, you sh- you know, you- I don't want to swear in front of them particularly. I don't want to shout and be horrible and show my kind of neurotic WhatsApping personality in-, in front of them too much. But Donnie's almost eight, Margot's almost six. And they've seen a lot in their lives, um, not to get too dark, but um, you know, my brother dying was obviously uh, hell for them, even if they didn't realize, um because I think that during that time, they would have just sensed stuff going on. and um and then we broke up before that, me and Alfie, and Alfie maintains they don't remember that because they were too young, but i I speak to them sometimes about it because I think it's good to make them aware that me and Alfie being together isn't is a choice. We're not married, because they do joke a lot about, oh, mommy and daddy are going to get married. And we say quite firmly, like, we're not, we're not married. Um, and that's for so many reasons. But um, we don't say firmly. We joke, are like, well, actually, we're not married, but um, we we don't just let it slide that they think we're married. Cause I think it's important for them to know that we we're not, and we're we're each day we make the choice to stay together. Um And that's not to say we're not completely in love and adore each other and um, yeah, we're nuts about each other, but we definitely fight and we definitely have to control ourselves around them. And Alfie says that his shouting voice isn't his shouting voice. And I say that my shouting voice isn't my shouting voice, but so I think the kids can tell when we're trying not to shout, but we're using our not shouting voices, if you know what I mean. so we we we've got a lot better as they've got older of saying we're not doing this now or we'll do this later and to be honest i found lately whenever we have had a fight that's kind of springing up we, i feel a fight brewing um it's it's really useful to have the kids around because you just can't explode so i find they're actually quite good for tempering things out um But, and then somebody else said to me years ago, when I said, I'm worried that I'm crying too much in front of them. This was obviously after Ben. And, um, somebody said to me, don't be stupid. They need to see humans. They need to see how humans operate as adults because that's what they will become. So don't be scared about crying in front of them. Don't, don't be scared about showing them your full self. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I really appreciated that at the time. And I think. In a way, Donnie and Margot are really mature for their age, which sometimes I feel very guilty about, but I'm, I do show my full self with them a lot. Um, and I don't know if I will do the same for 10 and Becca, to be honest, but that's because I've grown up with Donnie and Margot in a way, and I've learned so much about parenting through them. And that was partly the appeal of having more children because I wanted to kind of, I don't know, tweak the way I do things and maybe get it right one day, maybe never get it right, but we'll see. Thank you for that question. I have really enjoyed listening to the podcast as my baby is eight weeks and was induced and born very small. So it was reassuring to hear your story. My question is about names. How do you choose them? Do you feel they suited your kids right away, etc.? Lovely question. I'm glad that you had a small baby too. I'm glad that you were induced. Um, I'm sorry if it was hell. Oxytocin is hell. Anyway, um... My mum actually was talking about this this morning because Donnie and Margot have their, you know, question games. Whenever we walk anywhere, they just ask a million questions and it's actually really annoying, but very, very sweet. Um, I'm hoping Donnie stops asking the questions about animals and what's your favorite land animal and what's your favorite type of boat? And what's your favorite? Like, it's very sweet, but I don't have much material left. Um, Anyway, their new question this morning was, what's my, what's your favorite name? And I wanted to say, I don't like any names. I really, I really struggled with naming them. Um, Really, really didn't. It was, it's a really difficult decision because it's obviously going to be with them for their entire life and it does alter how they're treated and how they view themselves. And I don't know, I, it's a really, really big thing. Um, And genuinely, I don't like many names. I don't even like my name. I do like their names, obviously, because we name them those things, but I don't know. I think it was sometimes easier for humans just to be called, you know, A, B, C, One, Two. I it just because it adds so much to their to how they're viewed. Like if you're called Roxy, you're gonna be seen differently to if you're called Mary. Um, so yeah, I've tried to give them each a name that has one of the two. So Donnie Hunter. So a sweet name and then a bold name and then Margot Mary. so a, a, a an elegant name and a sweet name and ten, 10 has too many names um because we had a a big <laughs> fight and um it was just a roller coaster naming him actually. I don't know if I've talked about that in another podcast I probably have, but his middle name is Benjamin after my brother and um, I wanted to call him Bam. I did talk about this one because I won't go into it now, but he has, he has a few middle names and now, now Becca has a few middle names too, because Alfie was in Australia. So to register him, I had to do it on my own because we're not married. And I, I had a had a fun time giving him some fun temporary names. I won't go into them now. Um, I do feel like they suit them right away, their names. And it's hard because in a way I wish I could change their names. to kind of get, lead them in a different direction, maybe. So I don't know. It's really difficult. M- my mum always said, oh no, Donnie, a Donnie can't be a prime minister. And I was like, I don't want Donnie to be a prime minister. He's going to be a stand up comedian or, or he's going to be, you know, a, a busker. He's not going to be a prime minister. Um, so I don't know. You have to think about their futures and um, it's a really difficult thing to do. Name your kids. And it's it's really, isn't that awful that I don't like any names? It is awful. Question for the pod. Were you afraid of giving birth the first time and has the fear subsided since? Well, I wasn't afraid giving birth first time because I didn't know what was going to happen. And then because I had a strange induction and then I had the epidural again, not, not realizing that I didn't have to have an epidural. I just was very unaware of the whole process and just did what I was told, and I really regret that. But I did have the epidural, and the pain wasn't massive at all because you you couldn't feel anything. And then the actual pushing was only eight minutes, so it wasn't it wasn't as bad as it as i th- I knew it could be. Oh uh, well, no, as I didn't know it could be. Um, so I think that was a major factor in me getting pregnant with Margot so quickly because I didn't think it was that bad. And then when I went into the decision to have her naturally, um, again, didn't realize, oh, it's going to be quite painful. Obviously I knew it was going to be painful, but I didn't think it'd be that painful if that makes any sense. So yeah, that's my, that's my take. Uh, I, the fear was bad for 10, but it was such a quick process again. He came out within 40 minutes and it, it. The trauma really was the after bit. Um, so I, because I had a taste of that pain with the oxytocin, I was absolutely terrified with Becca. And I talked about this a lot. Um, I was really scared. I did not want the oxytocin. And it was almost kind of written in my stars that I was going to have oxytocin. Every single step of the induction, I was like, I really don't want to have an ox- oxytocin. I really don't want to, really don't want you to break my waters. I really I don't. Each step it was, it was just, it was, the oxytocin was coming. Right. Next question. My question for whenever it kicks is, what do you think the pros and cons of having kids young and would you recommend it? Or do you wish you were starting now? So what are the pros and cons of having kids young and would you recommend it? Or do you wish you were starting now? I don't wish I was starting now because, um, the pregnancy with Becca was definitely harder than my pregnancy with So pregnancy at 26 as opposed to 34 very different very different so I just I think it's a little bit easier younger if I'm honest I mean that can change I guess if you're fitter in your 30s than you're in your 20s the pregnancy might be older, um easier but uh, for me it was just a harder pregnancy and even though I'm struggling at the moment with my identity and feeling a little bit lost in my career in a way, I, I know I've got time and the time I've put into them in the last eight years, um, like, cause I am extremely hands-on, I don't like being apart from them at all. Um, that time I'm just so glad I've had with them and the extra time I'm going to have with them in my life, given that I've had them a bit younger is invaluable. And yeah, I could have done more in my career. I could have done a lot more. I could have written those books. I could have got those TV series made. I could have done those acting jobs. I could have started a podcast way sooner. Um, I can do those things. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm going to be older and the industry might say, "Uh, excuse me, go away, you're too old. But I don't think that will happen. So I'm positive that I can make up for that lost time in my career in my late 30s and 40s. And I'm really grateful that I started young. Having said that, I haven't gone to many parties, very few parties. I haven't drunk that much alcohol, very few cocktails. Haven't gone traveling, been to very few places. So pros and cons. If you like parties, if you like cocktails and if you like traveling, don't have the babies young. That's my advice. Next. I love your podcast so much. Star emoticon. Good star emoticon. I like that one. I've been listening to it since the beginning and I've recently found out I'm pregnant with my first child. It's still very early days. Seven weeks, I'm keeping it quiet until the first stand. But my question is, do you have any advice for a first time mum? That's very, very sweet. I'm um, very much congratulations to you. Seven weeks is early, but you have that connection already, I think. Um, and it's a long road ahead, but you just have to try and enjoy each step. And it's hard. The first twelve weeks are hard. It feels like every day is just counting, counting down the days till the first scan, and you just know that there's a baby there and that its heart is beating, and you, you everything looks like it's going to go okay. Um, and I think the fear of it not being okay, and you know, not being able to tell people until twelve weeks is just bullshit. I think you need to be open with people about I'm I'm pregnant, and I'm really hoping that it's gonna be great and I'm gonna be happy and enjoy this moment and enjoy seven weeks and I'm gonna enjoy eight weeks and I'm gonna enjoy nine weeks and rather than kind of count the days down, if that makes sense. I really wish I'd done that more. And I did try to do it with Becca, I think. But rather than think, oh, I'm not gonna enjoy this until I'm twelve weeks, let yourself enjoy it. And if something does go wrong, then you can, you know, you can deal with it th- deal with it then. Um, but I think going going forward in the pregnancy with hope. And having that kind of belief that your child is growing within you and looking forward to meeting them. The other advice I'd get is to drink some cocktails, no, can't drink to- cocktails, go traveling and, um, while you can and stay in some fancy hotels while you can and see your friends while you can and do all of that stuff because it does change forever once you've had the baby. Not not that to say that that's bad, but it does change Love the pod I'm pregnant for the first time. Seven weeks. Oh, another seven weeks. Um, trying to be excited, but can't help feeling anxious. Oh, right. I just I just answered that question. I'm sorry. Any questions on how to get through any advice on how to get through the first trimester? Eat a lot of bread and watch a lot of reality TV. I found that helpful. Bread was the only thing that stopped my nausea. Um I've loved listening to the podcast. I want to ask if 10 or any of your other children have been to nursery. As the owner of a very small creative business and working freelance, I send my two-year-old one day a week and try and work around him for the rest of the week. Mayhem. Just wondered if you do the same. So as you might hear, I don't have a nursery. My home is my nursery. Um, they did go to nursery. Donnie, Donnie and Margot did go from the age of about two, two and a bit. But then I found that I found t- it, I found it the guilt of them going to nursery and the, the pet it was so expensive. I, I kind of took them out a lot and I put them back in a lot. And whenever they were at nursery, I just felt this absolute pain of them being there and not being with me. But then I also had this desperation to work. So this time round with these two, Tana and Becca, I'm going to try and not be so, um, I'm trying to be a little bit more relaxed about them being around me and me trying to claw whatever bits of work in I can. And if I can't in three years time, they can go to nursery then. So when they're three, I will, I I do 10, like Margot went full time when she was three. Um, But then again, remember they had lockdowns. So that was great in a way because I had that bonus time with them. But yeah, it's it's kind of impossible to work and have the kids around and the nap time that you think, oh, that's, that's my time when I can work in the hour and a half when they're asleep, I can work they tend to not go to sleep at that time and then, then they might have a short nap or they might just not nap that day or then you have a newborn with the baby who's meant to be napping and then suddenly you just can't do anything. So for the time being, I'm quite flexible and I'm just, whenever I can, like today, I've just run upstairs for half an hour. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just think, <laughs> go let them go to nursery and um, if you can afford it and remember that in a, in a year's time, things will be very different. And the baby will be a bit older and you might find that they can go to nursery a bit more. And I don't know. Bottom line is, it's not possible to do things with the kids at home. And and I have tried. I've tried a lot, but it is not possible. Right. I think this might have to be one of my last questions because the baby's crying downstairs. I'm sorry. Podcast question. What transition of kids do you find hardest? Did you find hardest zero to one, one to two, two to three or three to four without a doubt. Two to three was the hardest transition without a doubt. Just, Oh my God. It was mayhem, carnage, just a disaster. So hard, so beautiful, but so hard. And in a way I wish I'd started this podcast then because it would have been a very different podcast. Um, But I think that has something to do with A being in lockdown in the pandemic, B, living in an area I didn't like. C Donnie and Margot being still very demanding. So they were five and three. Three and three and five when I got pregnant with 10. Um, and the pregnancy was all along, like started with COVID, the pregnancy. So I got pregnant in the February 2020. So that entire time, on top of grieving, um my brother died in 2019, pretty much hell, pretty much hell. I mean, obviously, I didn't realize it was hell and that's the great thing about parenting is you forget, you forget how hard it is and you don't know when you're going through a hard time because there's so much joy in the shit that you just it, it keeps you afloat in a way. Um, so yeah, three three to four has been quite good. And that's because we're living in a place I like. I've got my mum and baby very near. I have a lot of help from them. Uh, I'm happier. I'm definitely happier. I'm not worried about doing it perfectly. And I don't have a baby who vomits up every feed. And I had to sit upright for 45 minutes after every feed. Becca slept from 11 to 4, 11 to 4 a.m. last night. That's never happened with any of them. So I think Becca just knows he has to be a good boy. So it's it's all dependent on babies. If you have a good I'm not sorry, there's I know that there's not good babies and bad babies, but you know what I mean. There can be good sleepers and bad sleepers. They were all bad sleepers. Becca seems like a good boy. We'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll update you in a few weeks. Last question. This is my question for your pod. I was just wondering if you experienced any sudden shifts in how you felt about kids before you had them. I'm 20 and since my birthday, it's like some biological switch has flicked and suddenly I think about pregnancy and children a lot. Hmm. Very good question. My biological switch has always just been uh, very much flicking. Is Is that the right use of? Yeah. I like that. Biological switch has been flicking. That was, that was her use of language. I'm, I'm just repeating it. Um I've just always had a very, very strong urge to have children that I really need to calm down on because I cannot be having a fifth right now, anyway. Maybe in maybe in 15 years' time, I'll be like Rachel Weiss and have my fifth. That would be quite cool, actually. I'll wait 15 years and then I'll have another kid. That would be great. I want to do that. I want to compete with Rachel Vice. I just want to know everything about Rachel Vice and Dinah Craig. Anyway, um Also, has Rachel Weiss had surgery? Has she had surgery? Please someone tell me. Guess who I saw yesterday on the street? This is a complete deviation. I saw Kira Knightley and her husband. She had a large tote bag and a bob. And she looked very relaxed. It was very exciting. Anyway, so my biological clock has always been very much kind of right in my, right here, just ticking away. And um, I strangely it calmed down after Margot because I don't know, things were so just, you know, busy and difficult and great. But I was, I was, you know, me and Alfie had also broken up. So I wasn't really thinking about babies. I was thinking about who I can have sex with and who wants to have sex with me and, you know, wanting to get back together with Alfie and just thinking on those lines, like, right, career, Alfie. What what am I doing in my life? How can I look sexy? How can I go to the gym? How can I write this? How can I write that? How can I be more of me? It was very much, a and I really enjoyed that selfishness. But then suddenly, when I got to maybe 32, uh, yeah, I saw babies everywhere. Suddenly, isn't it amazing? You just suddenly, you go through the park, every single female is pregnant. And you're just walking through the park and you're just like, why aren't I pregnant? So... It, 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 it kind of, it, 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 ramped up at about 32 and I would say it's calming down now. Just turned 35. Maybe I'm done. Maybe I'm done. Um, so yeah, if you're 20 and your biological clock is kind of rampant, go for it, go for it. You can crack out four by the time you're 30. Um, okay. Last question. This is my last one. I wanted to ask how you managed to split your time between your four children and their needs. I have three twin three-year-olds and a 10-year-old and I tend to feel guilty as the eldest gets less attention as the twins are so demanding. I'm completely exhausted by the evening to do much with her. Aww. Yeah, I'm going through that right now too. It's really hard. I actually just carved out some time with Donnie just now. Margot was at a party and we all went to the party together and then... I thought, I'll leave early with Donnie. Our shower is broken, which is brilliant. Just great. Uh, What more could you want with four kids? A shower and a toilet to be broken. Great. Um, So I went to have a shower at my mum's and I took Donnie with me so he could sit and have a bit of a quiet time on his own with me. Um, And just doing things like that, just trying to separate them a tiny bit so that you have at least a moment a day where they're getting the full you and it, it can be at any time. So with Donnie, it happens at strange times. And I have to be quite um, impromptu with them. So say last night, they all went to sleep. We all went to bed at the same time. It was a nightmare. We watched the Britain's Got Talent final, which was great. And then Margot passed out, 10 passed out. And then it was just me and Donnie and Becca. I was feeding Becca and Donnie just had this moment of saying to me, I don't know, things that he wouldn't say in the day because it's too noisy. And he said something like, <laughs> it was really sweet. He, I was talking about writing because he was like, I've got an idea for your next book, mummy. Can you write it? Can you, can, you, can you write my idea? And he was just telling me his idea for what I should write about. And that just wouldn't happen if I hadn't have made sure I had just a second with him at the end of the day and I didn't rush him to bed. And I don't know, I, I think just trying each day just to have a little moment. Like Angelina Jolie says, just one moment with them a day is enough for them to, you know, feel loved and appreciated. I still don't know if she said that or not. Right. That is me done, everybody. I'm very grateful for your questions. I'm very grateful for you listening to this podcast. And I really hope that I'm back every Monday. I think I'm going to do every Monday. Um, I had something to promote. What was I going to promote? Oh, yeah, this is fun. I thought, given that I've just done a Q&A podcast, I thought it would be fun to do an Instagram live every week because I didn't have a mum group and I love getting your questions and stuff. And so I thought I'm going to do once a week, I'm going to do like a little mum club. And if you were into the idea, please, can you message me? Because I want to gauge what the best time is for a mum club Instagram live thing. And I also wanted to ask if anybody has any ideas about who I should, who would be fun to do an Instagram live with, who's kind of in the mum world, uh, you know, who I could share an Instagram live with. I don't know if this is a bad idea, but I was thinking every Wednesday night when, I don't know, you've put the babies to bed and uh, maybe you're breastfeeding or feeding your baby, doing a night feed or something. I just thought it'd be quite fun. So every Wednesday, I think I'm going to do it either in the day or at night. So can you message me and tell me whether you think a daytime one would be better or a nighttime one would be better? I was thinking either a midday or a nine o'clock. Let me know. And I'm going to try and do one this Wednesday for the first time. It could be fun. Um, Once again, I just want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to me and Bibi's podcast. We're doing a special on death tomorrow. It should be fun. And Thank you. Also, if you have messaged me about reading Sunset and that's how you found this podcast, I'm very, very grateful for you reading that and spreading the word. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.